told us we should celebrate because truthfully, there were other great miracles in the Jewish nation which we don't uh, celebrate. If you know a little bit of history, I always try to point out that there was far greater miracles amongst the Jewish people than Hanukkah was not celebrated. And to give you a marshal, the, the famous Dvoira Hanavia, the prophet Dvoira, with her husband, Barak ben Aminoyan. And they went to war and against Sisru. And the war against Sisru was, you know, there were about 10,000 or 7,000 against hundreds of thousands. And they won the war. And, you know, we have Shida's Devoida. I always know the girls. All my daughters have to know it by heart in school. Shida's Devoida. But uh, it's nice, but we don't have a celebration. And the same thing, there's even more profound. Cheskiyui Amelech, he was king. He was such a holy king that the Gemara says, Hashem wanted to make him Mashiach. Imagine, that's how great he was. And just one small mistake. You know, to, the mistake was he didn't praise Hashem for the miracle. What was the great miracle? Great miracle was there was Yerushalayim was surrounded by 185,000 soldiers from Sanchev. One opinion of the Gemara was 185,000 captains. Each one had a, a whole group underneath them. And in one night, the, uh, the entire, Amalek came and they woke up in the morning, the entire 185,000 were dead. That's an incredible miracle. No matter what happened, you know, Malach came, or the Malach came dressed as a cloud of poison, but in the morning, when they got up, they looked out, and they saw everyone is dead, 185,000. You should have celebrated because Yerushalayim was besieged, and it was a desperate situation, and uh, so we don't celebrate it. And uh, the Chassidish Yisrael explained a very profound thing. We say, She'osu nisim l'avoyseini b'yomemahim b'zman hazeh. What does that mean? He made miracles, our elders, l'avoyseini b'yomemahim b'zman hazeh. That normally means those days, the same time as now. But what, of course it's the same time. We're lighting the menorah. So the Rizal says a very, very profound thing. Every Chag, like Pesach, Shavuot, Sukkot, Shabbos, Rishchidosh, the same light that Hashem lit into this world originally, Pesach, the same light comes down, except we don't see the Hisgalos of the light. Great Siddiquim would see it. That means Pesach comes out a great light that Hashem took us out. And that light the Hashem shined for us as a Jewish nation, lights up then, we just don't see it. So Chazal, the Anshik when they decided, the, the, the Rabbanim, the Sanhedrin decided, Hanukkah should be, they saw that this light will help us every year again and again. Hanukkah. So when the nest of Hanukkah happened, they knew that this was not just meant for today, for every generation. And one of the things that Ner Hanukkah showed us, 
that we, when, you know, listen to the Chashmanui, who were the leaders then, to have a munis Chachamim, trust the Chachamim. You know, Yiddishkeit, you know, being Jewish and following, always suffered a little bit about this. Now, let me explain the Pasha. Yankov Avini favored his son Yosef. They knew that Yaakov Avini was a big tzaddik. Not, not, you know, they knew Yaakov, their father. But they didn't believe that his favoritism is true. They felt that Yosef is, uh, I say, comforting. He's just uh, flattering his father, getting on the better side. But it's not true. And the truth of the truth is, Yosef was incredible big. That's the truth. I know if I once explained over here that Leah had six children. And in the six children, Shadruvain was the Bukhar. Levi came out, Moshe, which was Nevoah, prophecy. Yehuda was Kinkshiv. And Yisocha was the Torah. The wise people of Israel was from Yisocha. Yosef had all four of them in him, in one person. Yosef was the Bukhar to his mother. He was really a king. You know, just he really was a king. He was a prophet, Yadruach HaKodesh, Eriach HaLukumbai, and Ish Nuvan V'chuchun Kamoichu, Paris said. There's no one so brilliant as he is. Imagine a guy coming out of prison. Can you imagine this? He was a yeshiva bocher. You know, he was a real yeshiva bocher, learning with his father, sold as a slave for a year, then was in prison for 12 years. He didn't learn economics. Didn't know how to, you know, farming and, and how to, and out of nowhere, he led the country. You know, Mitzrayim was not a hick town. You know, we have this picture of Mitzrayim. Mitzrayim, we know from history, those days was a huge metropolitan. Was, I don't remember the numbers they gave for it. 30 million, forgot about it. It was a huge place. It was not, you know, it was not, you know, a few thousand people. It was a huge, huge place in Mitzrayim. And Yosef, with his wisdom, came. And the father saw this in Yosef. He saw Yosef, who he is, and learned with him special. The brothers did not believe the father. And then they sold Yosef. And you know what's the most frightening thing? They sold Yosef into a slave. And when Yosef said, and this week's Pasha, finally... He says who he is. He says, Ani Yosef, this was the most, you know, humiliating sort of thing that you could imagine. You know, can you imagine you sell your brother into slavery, you held that he really deserves to die, and the things of dreams of being king is just a rebel, troublemaker. He's making, he's splitting the brothers. And they, they held they were right for selling him. Even this week's Pasha, when they were confused, they were put into jail for three days, they were saying to themselves, you know, it wasn't like, you know, they said, you know, we shouldn't have pity on him because he's our brother. He's begging for his life. Not we were wrong. We were right. <coughs> <clears throat> but sort of they say, we should have, uh, we should have, you know, 
brothers begging for his life. We did the right thing. Imagine when Yosef says, I need Yosef. You know, one Maduma says to Medrash, you know what happened to them? They all fainted. One Maduma says they died from enormous pain. Imagine 22 years, you see your father suffering, and everyone is suffering, the whole family is suffering, and you convince yourself you did the right thing, and all of a sudden, he says, Ani Yosef, it must be frightening. You were convinced, you know where they were looking for Yosef? They were looking in brothels, you say in English, in the Buddhist They were convinced that he's a low life. That's why he is an incredible good-looking guy. Probably this is what, 22 years later, they, they were convinced he's there. And all of a sudden, he says, I need Yosef. I says, I told you, Mohammedum says they passed out from, from Shashak. Mohammedum says, worse than past day, they literally died. And Mohammedum says they wanted to kill him. Because I'm like, what? He was 39 years old. Became king at 30. This was nine years later. 39 years old. And it, it just, a Yosef, the opposite, tried to, it, with all the pain that he had, the Chazal say Yosef had not an inch in his, in his soul of, of, of taking revenge. All this he wanted, they should really do tshuva. That's what he really, really wanted. I mentioned last week that Rizal says Yosef was the first Mashiach. And he prepared the Golas. It wouldn't have been Yosef. We would have never survived the Golas. But if the brothers would have, when he said the Yosef really did chew the right way, the world would have been a different world. But it's the hardest thing in life is to say you're wrong. You know, it all depends. If I step on your toe, I, I'm sorry. That's everyone could say that. You know, I always tell people, it comes out of Yom Kippur, you only ask forgiveness for people, you really, you really don't have to ask forgiveness. The person you really hurt, that we have a hard time asking forgiveness. You know, one of those, uh, you know, on the line, you know you really hurt, you should ask him. The, the, the and Yiddish is an expression, means the bigger the crime, the avla, the harder it is to say, I'm sorry. Imagine they, they thought to themselves, we were so wrong. Boy, were we wrong. His dreams were true. And he's not just king of us. In the dream, they thought he was king of the... He's king of Egypt, which was the king of everybody. Everyone needs... And not only that, we cannot survive without him. We understand now the dream with these 11 sheaves around the sheaves of... Because that means his sheave is going to be going to save our lives. His wheat. We need him desperately. The one that we wanted to kill and sold into slavery. You want to throw him to the pit of snakes. He's the one that's it's true. That pain is enormous. But according to Chazal, they never fully asked forgiveness the right way. They never. And that, that is because... That is the pagam at which a person should really trust the chachamim. If the rabbanim say something is aser, you follow them. Not I, you know, 
I'm smarter and I understand better. Every, let it be every halacha, everything, just, it's, it is one of the hardest things for humans to do. It's just to make his, his, you know, to say, whatever you tell me, I'll do. Because we all have a, a part of us who's a wise guy. Though, you know, it has to be so perfect. And then we could cut a corner here, cut a corner there. And there's a special Yetzirah which I call cutting corners. I asked my, I have one of my children, one of my daughters has blessed them with a big business. She has many, many workers working for her. So I asked her to do work, and there's a firm workers in Lakewood. So I asked her, do your workers cut? Of course, they come five minutes late, and they come five, five minutes early, and uh, you know, there's a Yetzirah of cutting corners in every part. And then, and, and, you know, I, I said over uh, an amazing story. A few years ago, it's been many years already, a guy walks on Friday night in the winter. And I, this was like an unbelievable story. A guy walks into the shul and he tells me, Rabbi, guess what I just did? I just quit my job. What happened, he tells me. That's what happened. He's a programmer and he was working in La, in La Cienega on 3rd Street for someone. And the guy, the manager, was once religious, became not religious. And he told him, you know, it's getting short Shabbos. I must leave. I have to leave. You know, he says, listen, I know when the Shkia is. You could leave the place at the Shkia. You could walk home. Well, that's what he told him. You know, Shkia was a 444. You could leave. It's not so tab. Not, not leaving her. This was 2 o'clock. He told him, right on the spot, you're not going to tell me Michal Shabbos, he quit. And he came to the shul, and, you know, I knew his wife was pregnant, and, you know, do you have a, I have no idea, he tells me. I have no idea how I'm going to live. And, you know, there is no money. He was a newlywed, and this, he literally had no money. And I was like, wow, he quit the job. Turned out, anyways, turned out the job. The boss of the business found out what happened, quickly took him back, was afraid of a lawsuit, and sent the manager another place. Either, I'm not sure, they sent him packing or send him another place. I'm not sure what happened. But the point was that I was with such a conviction, he quit the job, like without question. Now the same, I was thinking there, and I don't know why this thought came to me, the same person who was not willing to look for loopholes, just quit the job, Hashem is going to help me find another job. But the same person, you know, can I move the iPhone? Ah, the rabbis tell me it's muktzah. It can't be muktzah. Leave it on Shabbos table. I'll move it away. You know, we have like, a, we rationalize certain things that we, we, we're, we're going to do everything. We're going to do, when it comes to the small items, we cut corners. That's young, always tell this to young people. They, most young people keep the halasim shpocha. Their wife will go to the mikveh. They're not going to be intimate. But the eights are cuts, you know, I can't even touch her, can't give her a hug, you know, can't even that. You know, there's a Yetzirah of not listening to the Rabbanon. And this is extremely important because by the brothers too, if they would have accepted Yaakov Avini's true thing, we don't understand it, we don't see it. They look, Yaakov saw Yosef his incredibleness, and really their medrash says Yosef had, had a level, a different level than others, all different, that's a whole different thing that the, the, the Rizal says, there was Yaakov, which was Yosef, and the brothers looked at the, the opposite, he's a troublemaker, he deserves to die, he's causing all the problems, 
and he's uh, and turned out to be there. See, because we humans have always our own agenda. You know, jealousy is a very powerful thing, and and we don't see things in a clear vision. You know, the fact is, it is you know your own brother, he's the younger one, father favors him, makes him a shirt. Chazal do say Yaakov shouldn't have done it, but the truth is, but he was right. He was right that he is different. He is a head heavy, taller than all of them put together. He was in a spiritual way. The brothers had a hard time accepting this. So one of the important things is is always just trust the rabbanon. If they say you're not allowed to do something, don't do it. The, the minist tzaddikim is extremely important. Because one of the things, some people have asked me, you know, you know, what did the Baal Shem to create? And you know, someone asked me the Shabbos. And I tried to explain one of the great things that the Baal Shem to created, that the population had more faith in the Rabbanon. Because they, they were very helpful, very, you know, a, a leader, guided them. And one of the greatest things is how to have a relationship with Hashem. Because that was sort of forgotten. Part of, you know, like I always say, people ask me all, you know, people have been asking me all day, Shalaz Hanukkah. I know this Hanukkah I was extremely busy. People flying to Israel and with cheap tickets and coming and going. But no one asked me, you know, Rabbi, how do I get closer to Hashem in a Hanukkah? How can I make my relationship better? You know, it is, that's things we don't touch. You know, it's much easier, the trimmings, you know, around and around. But to how, it's like, you know, like we men would think, I'll do the shopping for my wife. And uh, why don't you just ask, uh, I would like to get closer to you. What can I do to make us closer? You know, hit, you know like, hit it on the faces, face it. You should tell Hashem, I would love to be closer to you. How do we do that? Because really, Hanukkah was, it was the light to show us in the darkness of darkness, Hashem is there. Because life could be sometimes very dark, even though in a way we are blessed. I always tell this, every day I say this to myself, we are blessed beyond our own recognition. Since Odom Arishan was kicked out of Ganeda, and you know, no one had it as comfortable as we do it. It's, it's amazing, it is super amazing. Okay, people flying, where they're flying to Israel. You know, try to try to tell this to your grandfather, Greg, you know, who didn't never saw a plane, and tell him that 400 people can get into a room, and it's going to pick up the room, and 13 hours it's going to land in Israel. I don't know what you guys are talking about. How does that, what do you mean? Four, as big as the shul? I don't know, 400 people, my shul carries 400. Bigger than my shul. 400. This is, this, is, this is tiny, this room over here. Imagine 400 people will sit in the room and somehow pick up and 13 hours later be in Israel. And did you have a bad dream? No, you know, this is science fiction. And we quetch about it. That and me, my, I'm too tall, I'm 13 hours being in the chair and uh, the airline food is no good. And, they wish they could have had 13 hours come this way. They would do anything. And we fly and we catch the seat is too small and the airline food is not good. And 
And the, why can't the luggage come right away? Why, why is it taking so long? And we're standing at the luggage. What's going on over here? And people used to go to, uh, I once reading, and people went on a boat. My father told me about it. I read this even. They would come to the boat and it would take a few days. They may got a ticket and now to camp out there, slept at the places. It wasn't like, a, you know, now, you know, if, if it's not a connecting flight, oh, wait a minute, we're going to find another way. And uh, years ago, we, used to, we don't see it so much. I remember years ago, we used to see people sleep at the airport, like, you know, waiting for 12 hours, sleeping on the chairs on the bench. We are blessed beyond. That's what we have to remember. But still, there's a big darkness. The darkness is we don't know what to do with life. We don't know, you know, this week's passion, the, the, you know, Yehuda asks, you know, confronts uh, Yosef, not knowing that it was Yosef. So the Mephoshim explained the question we should all ask ourselves, what am I doing with my life? It's a very powerful question you should ask. Because the more you ask, the better you'll, you'll figure out what's better. Because we get into a rut and we just do. We should ask ourselves, what can I do differently? How can I make sure that whatever my, my purpose right now, to uplift it, to make it better, to make it closer to Hashem? See, most of us get into a rut, and this is how we live. Every day we wake up and we do the same thing, the same mistakes. You know, we got used to the same mistakes. Instead of pulling back, he says, you know, I'm here in this world. What can I do? How can I, let's speak less Lashon Hara, how can I make sure that Shabbos is better observed? How can I make sure? Anything, anything that a person, it's your life. It's very frightening for people to look at their life, but this is the most important thing. It's like I always laugh when people tell me, you hear in the news a guy won a lot of money and he hired three, three companies to help him, you know, invest the money. I always say, I wish I could have a private investment every day with me, a, you know, to tell me what I'm doing right, what I'm doing wrong. I was told in sports they have this private coach people have. Well, many years ago, someone was telling me, and he's a musician, trying to tell me this famous Jewish, not religious musician who passed away, I forgot his name, but he looks like very famous in music. And he had a private coach all the time. And I says, what? Yeah, we listen to his music, and it says the key a little bit different, this are different, and I remember it hit me, I wish I could have someone private with me all that look at me. He says, well, that davening was not a good davening. Try to make it better tomorrow. Or, uh, you know, that's not how you talk to your wife. It's your wife, talk more respectfully. Or, uh, you know what I mean? And uh, don't snap so quickly. And, you know, it'd be great. But none of us will do it. It's extremely like, make yourself so vulnerable. But the truth is, this is our life. This is, this is the life we're living. Why shouldn't we take our life and make it much better? It doesn't need, it's not, it doesn't... Uh, you don't have to work out like these football players. Someone explained to me these football players work out to 25 or 7. Sometimes it's small things that someone observing could help you. Someone told me the Shabbos, a fascinating story. There's someone, a young couple, not so young anymore, they have a house full of children. And uh, Sean Bias was not going so well. Someone suggested for his, to, to, to the wife, he said to her, you know, 
why don't you talk positive? Just talk positive. Change it to 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 don't criticize, just talk positive. This person tells me, this lady says this, a relative is, says it changed her whole shalom vice. She decides to give it a try. Sometimes small things could change our life. Another person tells you if you listen. This is very, very important because we live a life, we get, get into the mode, and we don't like to change, which is not true. And, you know, life, life is, you know, there's always new things to learn, new challenges. How do we do it? And one of the most important things that we could change is to have a relationship with Hashem. That is not easy. You know, it's much, some of the other things and aspects of life is much easier. But say I wake up and I want to talk to Hashem, I want Hashem in my life, that doesn't go so easy. And every mitzvah that our mom says in all the Shoyim was a way to put light in ourselves to get closer to Hashem. And not just to get closer to Hashem, to put light in our difficulties and challenges in life. Life does not exist without challenges. It's, it's one thing I, I tell this to all young people. Don't, if you're a person, I always tell them, you get married thinking you're not going to argue, you are in trouble. Be aware that this be you. Guy was telling me the Shabbos is a newlywed, I asked him joking, when was the first time argument you had? He looked at me like, uh, I said, you're not being realistic. The trick of a good Shalom bias is when it's difficult. Everyone could be in love and everyone could be, you know, the, the challenge is when things don't go well, when you're annoyed, you're annoyed at the whole world, you don't know why you're annoyed, or things are not going well, or you snap, whatever reason, that's the challenge, not just a shalom bias, in life. Someone is ill, or someone is, the panos is not working, it's struggling, the life pain is what Hashem puts us through. It, it is, and the challenge of us is to bring light into it, and to know it's Bashet, this is my challenge. And every mitzvah brings light into it. The Hanukkah has a, we don't know, we see how, but we have to believe the Hanukkah lighting, the Hanukkah lighting, saying halal, and keeping Hanukkah puts a light into us. The best answer is what the Medrash says. The Medrash says they cursed anyone who's going to tell Yaakov. They cursed to put a curse. So Yosef knew that he cannot be one who's telling Yaakov because there's a curse. He could have written a letter home. It's, uh, it's only three to four. The Ramban says, Ramban asked this question. says it's three to four days away. So the Medrash says, they, they, they got the Shechina involved and they put a curse, anyone who's going to tell, because they really wanted him dead. 
So they figured they can't kill our own brother. We'll send them to Siberia. Well, we'll send them to Mitzrayim. So, so that's why Yosef never, never was able to send the letter home. Yes. And to know that oh, the ones who made the curse can nullify it. So they all got together and nullified it again. The curse, that means they all have to get together and nullify it. It's very difficult, no. Of course curses exist. Of course. Well, not everyone could do it. And you know, the, of course, curses, there's Ein Hara. Just we don't, we Ashkenazim try not to put too much emphasis on it. The Svardim are very busy with it. We Ashkenazim try to play it down. Of course, there's such a thing as a curse. And of course, there's such a thing as Ein Hara. It's because, like, you know, the, no question sometimes people, but, uh, you know, have trouble because there's an Ein Hara. There's no question about it. That is true. That, let me explain what she's saying. Yeah. Let me explain what she's saying. What she's saying is that one of the ways to divert the curse is not to give it any power, just to ignore it. The Bashemtev said a little bit, a little bit, what you're saying is true. There are many explain this, not just as Father Chumsoifer says this, famous Chumsoifer says it. Bashemtev said, if you believe, that no one could hurt you, everything in the hands of Hashem, the curse will not hurt you. The, the Hashem have said, if you believe that everything is in the hands of Hashem, and no one could hurt me only if Hashem wants to, the curse will not have a power on you. Even I in her. So if you tell yourself, no one could hurt me, no one, but even a curse with the that's a dead Right? That is true. That is true. We don't have that, no. We don't have that. The Bashamtov said, and that uh, uh, Rabbi Nachman said this, 
Hashem Tov said this, and Rav Nachman Brestov especially says that before Mashiach comes, we'll not have any of the great rabbis, which happens literally today. We had our generations before. We had the Lubavitcher Rebbe, the Satma Rebbe, the Gedder Rebbe, were giants, literally giants. Unfortunately, unfortunately, that does not exist. And today, there's a lot of lot of people come here who are fakers, literally who are pull the wool over people's eyes. And I don't want to focus on this. I rather focus that to remember that we just said is that. If a person believes that nothing could happen to them only through Hashem, any, the Hashem says that itself dispenses all the negativity. Ein harder, and you know, there is such a power, there's such a thing sometimes, but if a person really, really believes that he's in the hands of Hashem. So there is gulas, no question, for Ein harder, because not all of us are that level to close our eyes and say everything is bashed. So there is gulas, you know, from the Chidu and from other great early, early. But the reason really it was made is because not always we're up to that level. But if a person really says to himself, no one could touch me, in the darkness of darkness there's light, then only the light of Hashem is there and dispenses the, the negative powers. But the Hanukkah represents that. Hanukkah represents that in the darkness of darkness. It's very interesting that Hanukkah always coincided with Christmas. It's the first time it's not this, so usually it's a little later because this year is a... But Jewish, the Ashkenazim suffered terrible this time of the year. I don't know if you know history. This time of the year because they lived among the Christians and they, this was their holiday. And Hanukkah was always the great hope for them. Always the great hope that they gave them. Because that's what Hanukkah represents, that even though we cloudy, so came to a situation Give up, Hanukkah was there. See, what, what gives us the power of hope, Hanukkah? It's very interesting, it was Yosef at Tzaddik. Yosef was in jail 12 years. He never gave up. You know, imagine, you know, I, I said this once before, a guy, I asked people to come out of prison. I had a guy who was in prison, I think only two and a half years, maybe three years, and I asked him, when he got out of prison, how was it? He says, my hardest thing when I got out of prison was, I went to Ralph's shopping. I couldn't buy anything for 20 minutes because I was told for two and a half years, when you're going to eat, when you're going to shower, when you're going to take a bathroom, everything. All of a sudden, I am doing it on my own. I go out into the, I, I couldn't do the shopping. Hey, Yosef comes out of jail. Imagine this, Yosef. And he talks to Paroi, and he talks like he would. He has a degree in economics, and he tells him what to do. And he says, like, like one of the most brilliant. How does that work? Being in prison doesn't help that way, because Yosef never changed in prison. I am here, but it's not going to affect me. I'm really here, and I I don't deserve it. And, and Yosef, you know, I'm sure the tshuva. But he, the Medrash says he was always in a happy mood. The, I will, this gave, the, the Yosef was the one who paved. It's called Chanoich. He gave us the Chinuch. Chanuch is Chinuch. He gave us the Chinuch in life. How to, not to lose yourself. And the truth is that we are a nation. The only reason we exist because we never gave up. 
Sometimes individual people give up on themselves. They give up on someone. We are survivors. Now, this community is a community, and Yiddishkeit is growing because the generation before us never gave up. My parents are Holocaust survivors. They didn't come home and say, throw everything away. They built. We're going to do it again. And they went through hell of hell they went through. But they said, we're not giving up. It's in the Jewish nation's soul, is that. But we have to do it, individualize it to yourself. I am never going to give up my relationship with Hashem, the things that I got to do. Because as life goes on, we get disappointed, we get hurt, and we get knocked down. And, you know, we're hoping for this, and boom, it didn't work out. We're hoping for this, again, it didn't work out. This is the, the, the challenge of life. But if you know, this is my life. And I did. Yesterday was a good day. I'll try to make days a better day. As I say, we live in California. It's a sunny day out there. It's not bitter cold. My children spoke to them on the phone yesterday in New York. It's bitter cold. Bitter, bitter cold. We have this warm weather. My question to all of myself, how are we going to use today's day? It's Hanukkah. Why don't you try to smile? Why don't you say a nice word to everyone you meet? You know, when you give someone a smile, sometimes you did for them more than you could ever imagine. Many people walk around with such internal pain. And giving them a smile just, lives and just gives them life. Even just for a few minutes. A smile of a person gives the person like life. You have no idea what just a phone call could do, a smile could do. See, we have to be conscientious that life is, we're living life. Life, where are, there's life going on, and do the best that you can. And the way to do this, really, the, is to take time for yourself. Take time, put away 20 minutes or a half hour alone, turn the phone off, and talk to Hashem. And beg Him from the smallest thing to the biggest thing. From your Shalom Bayis, or from your health, or from Panasa. Or your self-growth. Hashem is there. wants to listen to you. And you have to tell yourself you're his favorite child. Because you know why? God is so big. We all are his favorites. See, when we have to... Can I not have many children? You know, so each one wants to be a favorite because, you know, there's no more room. But if everyone I can make feel favorite, then it'll be great. As I tell people, I have 10 single children. You know, I have, a, I have two Ben Yechidas and eight Bas Yechidas. You know what I mean? Uh, I always joke about it. Because I try to make each one of them feel as the favorite. But imagine the Rebun Shloilam says to us, you are my favorite. Because see, uh, see, by us, a number means a lot. We get overwhelmed. You know, I remember one of the nurses asked my wife how many children she has, and she says, "What?" You know, she, the face on her face like was like uh, they can't imagine. A secular person can't imagine having so many children. 
You know what I mean? It's, it's like, because it's overwhelming. So, but Hashem, there's no overwhelming. You are just as important as a million, billion stars out there. And he wants to, he's waiting, when are you going to call me? Every day he's waiting for the phone call. No. It's, it, I said, we say in Halal today, Uhafti keishma Hashem eskoli tachninoi. I am loved. When am I loved? When Hashem hears our voice of begging. You know, I, you know, we all are, you know, of children, and you know, sometimes the child who is sometimes even more troubled, you have to deal with it, becomes much closer to you. Isn't that amazing? You know, the, the, just it's he needs more, a child that needs more help, whatever it is, physical, emotionally, and you have to deal with them more. You all of a sudden get closer to the person. Now, the other child doesn't need all this emotional help. But that's the reality. If we make ourselves vulnerable to Hashem, we get much closer to Him, and He gets closer to us. It's a two-way street. So, I hope all of you, first of all, are going to smile today. A whole day. And second, take time for yourself. Take time for yourself, that you should talk to Hashem and reflect on your life. It's very, very powerful. Okay.